Hey, this is Chad Eddy with the Semp Health Podcast, and today's episode is The Big Leap, Chapter 2. This is where I go through The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, chapter by chapter, and uh, point out some things that he says and some insights and some things that we can take with us and process on our own. So without any further ado, here's Chapter 2. Hey, once again, I've been going through the big leap chapter by chapter and just listening um, to each chapter a number of times, making bookmarks. Um, Yeah, and I listen to this on audiobooks. So in case you're wondering why I'm saying I'm listening to a book, that's why. I listen to it on audiobook. I uh, do bookmarks. I I keep bookmarks and then I go back and listen to the bookmarks that I've kept. And that's what I'm bringing to you today. I also have actually the printed copy because my wife and I have read it together um, once so far. We're going through another book the second time, but this one we've read once so far together. Uh, But I've listened to the audio book, I think three times, read it once, and now I'm going through it like chapter by chapter. I'm listening to each chapter a number of times to bring this to you. And uh, it's it's a really good book. I really enjoy it. Uh, We'll get to some parts that I have a, a couple of reservations about, but uh, this chapter is really great. It talks about the upper limit problem. And Gay Hendricks, uh, the author, um, I guess introduced the upper limit problem in chapter one. So if you want to know more about uh, what it is and sort of the background of it and how uh, how Gay Hendricks himself came up with this sort of, um, I was going to say nomenclature, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but this uh, definition of the the upper limit problem, then you can go back to listen to that episode but today we're going to be looking at up, um, chapter two, which goes a little bit further and deeper into what the upper limit problem is. He says, the upper limit problem crosses the boundaries of money, love, and creativity. So uh, basically, if, if, you, um, if you feel like you've had enough, if you feel like you've had enough money, then a trigger will switch or switch will trigger (laughs) one or the other Um, it'll trigger something in you that says okay that's enough that's good and then in you there's something that will happen that will bring you back down to your reality to your comfort zone to your uh, thermostat setting I think he went through the thermostat setting in chapter one uh, the thermostat setting that we all have what we tolerate as far as our our finances go as far as our love for ourselves and for other people and feeling loved by other people as far as that goes our relationships and as far as our creativity goes um and that's that's something that doesn't get focused on a lot is the creativity part um but we're all such creative beings i mean we're made in the image of a creative god who created everything by the the imagination of his will a couple of cool bikes going by me here um he's such a creative god and he made us in his image we are infinitely creative but we're told uh you know throughout our childhood and throughout our lives you need to stay within the lines you can't stray too far out you can't you can't do this you can't do that that's that's too that that doesn't even make any sense why would you why would you want to do that that that's not sensical um and, and it squashes our creativity. And, and then we start to feel, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't really go there. That, that doesn't make any sense. It squashes our creativity. 
and uh, you can think of it in art, but it's it's so much more than just you know visual art. It's it's how we think. It's how we behave. It's it's what we do. You can't go too far outside the boundaries that have been set for you, um, and and that's and that's sort of our part of our thermostat. And so what Gay Hendricks is saying here is that the upper limit problem uh, crosses the boundaries of money, love, and creativity. So uh, we tend to follow big leaps with big mess ups, and that mess ups rubber band you back to the place where you were before. So if if say uh, you you get a big promotion at work you know and, and you excel in your success and your money and your income and stuff like that that often often what happens is is that your upper limit trigger switches <laughs> or switch t- triggers and and in some other way maybe your relationship with your wife or your kids or or somebody else it just it crumbles because you can't handle being outside of that comfort zone that you that you were living in and so some way you need to get back to um, to that thermostat setting it's a it's an upper limit problem that switches when you get outside of that thermostat setting and in one way of those three ways he says you it'll rubber band you back to where you were and where you're comfortable uh, he says breakthroughs are thrilling and important. So this is when he's talking to a friend of his or a client of his that that had a big breakthrough as far as um, as far as her understanding of of how loved she can allow herself to be, um, and so she had a big bit breakthrough. And she called him all excited. You know, I I met this guy. I'm in love. He loves me. I'm allowing this. This is great. It's it's better than I ever thought it would be. It's exhilarating. He's like, great. That's awesome. Wonderful. Breakthroughs are. thrilling and important but it's the subsequent stabilization and integration of the breakthrough into daily life that causes the changes to become permanent so he's it's it's a warning he's saying you know that's great that's awesome you need that you need to break through we all need to break through but be careful because well like he said before life or ourselves or our upper limit problem has a tendency to rubber band us back into the place where we're comfortable so we need to continue going through this process where we're where we're expanding ourselves, expanding and raising the temperature, raising that thermostat setting, um, because it's the subsequent stabilization and integration of the breakthrough into our daily life that causes the changes to become permanent. He says, um, "Are you willing?" He he asked this lady, "Are you willing to be wealthy in both money and love?" Are you willing to be wealthy in both money and love? Now, a lot of people, um, you know, it's, it's so po- common and popular. It's another book that I, I've read called um, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. And, and in that, uh, Eckerd talks about this belief that people have and, and this complaint or this pushback, uh, this argument that people have with him. And they say, and I've heard this so many times, and you know what? I've said this so many times, probably from church stages, that it's better to have love than to have money. And love's better than money. And he's like, that's, that's just a stupid thing to say. He says, what's, what's more important, an arm or a leg? Like, you can't, you can't say, well, your leg's not very important because your arm's important. Well, yeah, my arm's important, but so is my leg. <laughs> you know, what's more important, you know, one child or another? You, you, you don't, you can't make a mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? 
you can't say, oh, money is not important because love is important. Well, yeah, love is important and money is important and both of them are important all at the same time. That's great. That's wonderful. So the question is, uh, are you willing to be wealthy in both money and love? Because a lot of people aren't. And this lady, this lady that he had the example of, uh, wanted to be wealthy in money, but she couldn't see how she could also be wealthy in love. A lot of us, a lot of Christians especially, um, a lot of you know church religious people, we're like, oh no, love, love is all that matters. Love is all that matters. Love is all that matters. And money gets in the, in the way of that. Money's the root of all evil, they say. Misquoting the verse. Um, and so you can't have both money and love. Well, are you willing? Are you willing to have both money and love? Are you willing to be b- both rich and spiritual or both rich and godly? Are you willing to be a, a wonderful Christian? A one, are you willing to be used by God in wonderful ways and be wealthy? Are you willing? And that's a big question for a lot of people. That was a big question for me for a long time. Are you willing? And still, it sort of tweaks something in me and goes, oh, am I? <laughs> um, and, and I need to affirm that again and again and again. Um, Okay, he says, you have at least one hidden barrier that's keeping you from being completely successful. So this is where he talks about what those triggers are. He says, you have at least one hidden barrier that's keeping you from being successful. He, he's going to list four of them. He says, at least one of them is keeping you from being successful. And when you encounter the barrier, your upper limit problem is triggered. So, so he's going to start, he's going to, and I'm, I'll, I'll tell you what they are. He's going to tell us what those four barriers are and all of us have at least one and probably more all right so the four fears and then he says each fear has a or barrier has a related false belief so number one number one hidden barrier or fear is feeling fundamentally flawed great alliteration there uh feeling fundamentally flawed and that's that's a barrier so the, the related false belief is I cannot expand to my full creative genius because something is fundamentally bad about me. And I think that a lot of religious people have this one too. They're like, well, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to be treated well. I don't deserve to uh, have this kind of success. I'm a sinner. And, and that's so, so counter to what the gospel says. <laughs> I mean, this isn't a religious podcast, but I, I am a religious guy, so... I'm going to talk about um, about the Christian Christian faith. Um, if you if you're not, then then you can learn something. Uh, if you are, then you can learn something. Um, the the gospel, the Christian message says that, yeah, you were once were a sinner, okay, but you've been saved, and you've been made a different creature, <laughs> a new creation, and you are now uh, a saint. And you, you can't identify yourself as a sinner. You, you can't identify yourself as fundamentally flawed anymore if you're a new creation. It's not going to happen. But if you're not a Christian, uh, you, could, you could go along with this too. And, and I mean, you don't, you don't believe in sin probably if you're not a Christian. So that's, that's probably not an issue. But, but maybe you've been told all your life, oh, you're not good for anything. You're worthless. Maybe people that mattered to you have told you or have indicated to you in some way that you're flawed, that uh, that's that good things aren't going to happen to you. A, a very special person to me told me that her dad told her that all the time. 
you're you're no you're nothing special and so this feeling of being fundamentally flawed keeps those people or keeps us who who have those that issue um in this in this trap and saying well i can't really be that successful because i don't deserve it i'm fundamentally flawed um and there's this cognitive dissonance when we do experience success when success does happen when money does come when love does come into our lives and we feel amazing and incredible and and we feel at peace and at harmony with the world and then this this belief goes i shouldn't be feeling this way well that's that hidden barrier fundamentally flawed he says it's cognitive dissonance trying to hold two opposing thoughts at one time so i love being successful i can't be successful because i'm fundamentally flawed and he says either what you're going to do is you're going to um you're going to just sabotage yourself completely sabotage yourself or you're just going to shut shut down right so you're going to just sabotage the love sabotage the money sabotage the creativity get back to that comfortable thermostat setting or you're just going to forget about it all altogether um and the 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 cure is to shine the light of awareness on this false belief and say okay you know what's happening right now i know what's happening right now it's that false belief it's that old demon in my mind going you can't do this you're fundamentally flawed there's old tapes that are going you're a sinner you shouldn't experience this kind of happiness. You shouldn't experience this kind of joy. You're, you're nothing but a sinner. Feeling that you're fundamentally flawed. That's number one. Number two is disloyalty and abandonment. All right. The hidden fear um, or the upper limit problem or the hidden, hidden barrier, sorry, is disloyalty and abandonment. So the, the, false belief that goes with that is I cannot expand to my full success because it would cause me to end up alone disloyal to my roots and leave behind people from my past so a lot of people have their identity wrapped up in being poor a lot of people have their identity wrapped up in being poor you know this is this is what our people are like we are poor you know we're we're not the rich people those rich bastards those rich jerks those that's not our kind of people these are our kind of people we're poor we're you know we pride ourselves on being poor and so when these so when a person ha that has that barrier gets wealthy or has some success or has some love then it then they feel disloyal they're like oh i'm leaving all these people behind i'm being disloyal to my roots i'm going to be all alone i'm i'm they're not they're going to disown me they're going to abandon me and you know what that sometimes happens <laughs> i mean that that fear is justified or legitimate in some ways because sometimes that actually happens and and people do end up alone people do end up um or at least abandoned by by their their people um and so the two questions asked here are did i break the family's spoken or unspoken rules to get where i am did I break the family's spoken or unspoken rules to get where I am? Uh, and then number two is, did I fail to meet the expectations my parents had of me to get where I am? My parents expected me to do this and this and this and this and this, and I instead went and did this and it made me happy. My parents expected me to become a doctor, lawyer, teacher, nurse, uh, chiropractor, uh, 
whatever. My parents expected me to do this. I went and became an artist. And that makes me happy. But I, I'm not happy because I, I uh, failed to meet my parents' expectations. You know, that's, that's that whole hidden barrier. Um, and again, you need to shine the light of, uh, of awareness on that. Feelings of guilt. Feeling of guilt holds you back from success. And that triggers something and then that pulls you back to reality. It's like, oh, you're right. I couldn't do this. <laughs> when that's not true at all. It's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. And when parents put that on their kids, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's saying our people aren't like that. And then the kids try to break out of that. But that feeling of guilt, of, of disloyalty uh, and abandonment that, that triggers them. They, they, and then they sabotage their own happiness. And they come back and they say, oh, yeah, you were right, Dad. You are right, don't, Mom. And then the mom and dad feel so justified in saying, yep, see, I told you so. It, it didn't need to happen. It didn't need to happen. That person could experience the success that they strove after. They could experience the happiness, the love, the creativity that they strove after. But that hidden barrier kept them from doing that. All right, number three, believing that more success brings a bigger burden. Believing that more success brings a bigger burden. So the, the belief that goes with that is I can't expand to my highest potential because I'd end up being even even bigger burden than I am now. And this is a lot of people who who got the feeling or got the idea, got the impression at a very young age that their life is burdensome to their parents or to other people. You know, uh, maybe they were told their whole life, oh yeah, you were an accident. You know, we didn't really mean to have you, we, but we had you and okay, yeah, yeah, we're happy about it now, but just so you know, <laughs> You, you you weren't really planned and we weren't really expecting you. So, you know, we didn't get to go on our vacation. We didn't get to uh, pursue our careers because we had this little kid. And this feeling of being a burden carries with that person throughout their adulthood. And it keeps them from being that success because they're like, if I shine too brightly, if I, if I, if I expand too much in this world, I'm going to be a bigger burden to more people. I can't do that. I can't do that to my parents again. I can't do that to the people I love. And so they, they stay small. <laughs> Not knowing that the more they expand, the better they make the lives of those around them. But it's that trigger, again, it's that trigger. And we need to remove the crimes our parents and siblings convicted us of, uh, Gay Hendricks says, before we entered kindergarten. The crimes our parents and siblings convicted us of before we entered kindergarten. So it could be our siblings too. could be our siblings that communicate to us, you know what, if you, if you weren't born, I'd have all my parents' attention. Thanks a lot for being born. Ugh, you're such a burden. You take away all my attention. And it's this crime that we're convicted of before we even enter kindergarten that we're, that we're fighting against uh, the rest of our lives or that we just, you know, we'll go with. Like, okay, yeah, I'm a big burden. I can't, I can't expand too much. Ah, okay, number four, the crime about shining. The crime about shining is related, I think. But the belief is that I must not expand to my full success because if I did, I would outshine, fill in the blank, and make him or her feel bad or look bad. So I, I feel this one, I feel this one pretty acutely. Uh, 
not necessarily growing up, but with my kids. And I know that, uh, that I've put that on some of them. I know that I put that on some of them and it, and it makes me, it makes me sad. Um, you know, no parent's perfect. And, and when I'm saying this and saying, oh yeah, your parent might've done this, your parent might've done this. Um, I'm not, I'm not condemning your parents either because no parent's perfect. And, and I think as parents, all of us have done probably all these things. Oh, lovely car alarm. <laughs> um, all of us have done a lot of these different things to our kids and, and put these things on our kids and our kids are going to have to work through them just like we're, we have to work through them. Um, but this one is, uh, I must not expand to my full success because if I did, I would outshine blank and make him or her feel bad or look bad. You know, it's a, it's an athlete, it's a gifted athlete who's like, well, you know what, just tone down your giftedness because your brother isn't that gifted or your sister isn't that gifted. Uh, and, and you don't want to make them feel bad. And, and so that person lives the rest of their life going, oh, well, if I really shine that much, if I really expand, if I really experience the love and creativity and, and money and success and happiness that I crave, then it'll make other people feel bad. And so, so that's that trigger that goes, nope, snap back to your comfort zone. It's a crime that exists only in your parents' imagination. It doesn't exist anywhere else. So he ends up with saying, your upper limit problem lives in the moment by moment interactions you have with yourself and in the people around you. You make your decisions in your life based on these, these false beliefs. You make the decisions in your life based on uh, the crime of outshining others. You make the decisions in your life based on your fear of, of getting too big or of, or of disloyalty. And... And so do I. And, and it's not just the big decisions. It's the little day-by-day -day decisions. And a lot of the times we're like, well, you know, uh, I really want to make better big decisions. But it's, it's not always the big decisions. It's not always like somebody's offering me a big job, you know, $200,000 a year and stuff like that. And, oh, shoot, it's that upper limit problem it triggered. And so I, I declined the job. Well, it's not the big decisions. It's the little moment-by-moment -moment decisions. Drive here, don't drive there. Talk to this person, don't talk to that person. Um, smile. Don't smile. Uh, ask for something. Don't ask for something. Speak. Be quiet. You know, it's the little decisions that we make every day, our little interactions, not only with other people, but also with ourselves. That we've, we, we are, are following the script that we've followed our whole life because they've been, the script's been set for us. But we can change the script. We have the power to change it. We have the responsibility and duty to change it. So that's, that's what's exciting about this book is that it identifies a problem, but only because if you identify the problem, then you can do something about it. I'll go into this more later, but I, I have diabetes. And until I was 31 years old, I didn't know I had diabetes. I don't know how long I had it before that, but, but I do know that was affecting me for a while. But it was only after I identified it, after I was diagnosed, okay, this is the issue and this is how we deal with it, that I was able to, to, to run with it. So, so why don't you and I do that and take these four upper limit problems or these four um, false, sorry, these four false beliefs and figure out what we've been believing and what's been dictating our lives. So the four fears or false beliefs that are feeling fundamentally flawed, 
disloyalty and abandonment, believing that more success brings a bigger burden, and the crime of outshining. Those are the four fears. What have you been believing? What has been running in your life? And then we're going to discover later how to identify that and how to nip it in the bud, as my mother used to say. All right, that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, go out and get the book. It's a good one. I'll talk to you later.